You're listening to the Smiths bonus episodes. I'm your host, Ryan Warner. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Let me first start by saying just how grateful I am for all of the tweets, messages, all of the listens of the Smiths. It's been incredibly well received, and I can't thank you all enough. If you haven't listened to the first seven episodes of the audio documentary, please stop what you're doing and don't listen to this interview because there's parts of uh, this interview with Pat that give away certain hooks in the episodes. With that being said, let me take you to this interview with Pat Smith. Now, this is the full, raw, uncut interview that we recorded with Pat in October of this year at his wrestling academy outside Little Rock, Arkansas. Please enjoy. Iconic wrestling coach Dan Gable once said, pain is nothing compared to what it feels like to quit. Give everything you've got today, for tomorrow may never come. Gable could be describing those whose achievements have earned them the honor of being inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. Etched in Stone, the stories of wrestling's legends will take you inside the lives of over 200 of the greatest wrestlers in history as they share their never-before-told stories about their trials, tribulations, and triumphs. Competitors, coaches, teammates, and those who knew these athletes best will also weigh in on their accomplishments with their own unique perspectives. We are ready to roll here. Let's talk some wrestling, Pat Smith. Sounds good. Let's have some fun. Um, cool. So we'll go about 90 minutes or so, 60, 90 minutes. Okay. Um, let's do this. All right. So... Go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Who are we hearing from today? Pat Smith. And what are your accomplishments that you're known for, sir? Uh, I was the first wrestler to win four NCAA championships. Beautiful. Now, your wrestling journey, from what I hear, began when you were watching Leroy at an Oklahoma State match. Can you tell us about that? Well, that's, you know, I got introduced to wrestling fairly young. Um, I think I was around six years old when Leroy went to Oklahoma State and was wrestling as a freshman. And, uh, you know, I, I remember that's where, that's where I knew I wanted to wrestle at, at the college level. I wanted to do what my brother uh, was doing after I went to my first Oklahoma State match. I remember watching. It was packed in Gallagher Hall at the time. It was called Gallagher Hall. The arena was packed. The atmosphere was just insane uh, during those times. And I watched Leroy um, just go out and wrestle the match. And I remember sitting nearly on the uh, on the edge of the mat. And I believe at that time I was sitting with uh, Todd Chesbro, whose dad was Tommy Chesbro, who's the wrestling coach. And uh, just in all of the whole atmosphere and what was going on and and Leroy won. But I tell you what, what really, um, you know, got me was after the, after the duel was over, all the fans that came down on the floor that lined up to get Leroy's autograph and the kids and everybody. And I, that was the first time I, you know, that I saw him at a, at a different, uh, aspect. You know, I just, I, I saw him at, at, um, you know, like this guy is a hero. You know, these people are lined up getting his autographs. And um, so I decided I was going to stand in line and get an autograph from him. So I stood in this long line and I got to him. And when I got to him, I stuck my piece of paper out and my pencil. And he looked at me and he goes, I'm your brother. 
He goes, you want my autograph? And uh, I said, yes, I want your autograph. So he, he gave me his autograph. And it just made such an impact on me. And I knew right then and there is that's what I want to do. I want to do what he's doing. And and I was very young, you know, at the time. And and uh, but I knew right there that, you know, that that's that's the road I want to go down. And, um, you know, the rest is history. Wow. And then from there, when when was the big turning point in your high school career where you the switch really flipped for you? I think the the, the switch flipped for me. Um, between my uh, sophomore and junior year. Um, you know, I, I wrestled in the state tournament my ninth grade year, mm-hmm. and, and I still believe to this day that I had the toughest bracket uh, in the high school state tournament ever in Oklahoma. Um, at that time, uh, the guy that won the state title at my weight when I'm, I was a ninth grader was a guy by the name of Reagan Hicks, was the defending junior national champion. Uh, there was a guy, Jimmy Sconce, who was, uh, the runner up at junior nationals, um, who I actually beat, uh, to get to the round of, you know, they placed the top four. So I had, I beat him to get to third and fourth, uh, place match and he didn't even place. And he was a runner up at junior nationals. Um, and then there was other guys that, uh, that, that were, that, that had signed at Oklahoma State at the time. Butch Gay, who was a really good wrestler, who beat me for third and fourth. So I ended up taking fourth place, um, my ninth grade year. But that had to be one of the toughest weights in history at Oklahoma, in, in the state of Oklahoma at the high school state tournament. It was just completely loaded. Um, you know, and, and, uh, it was, it was really an honor to, to be able to get on the podium, top four podium, um, especially at that weight. Once I hit my sophomore year, um, I started getting better. Um, I went in and, and had a great season my sophomore year and went undefeated, won the state tournament, um, and, you know, just everything was really clicking mm-hmm. at, the, at, the, at the state level um, for me. Once I started training... Uh, for freestyle to go to far to to at that time it was in um, Waterloo Iowa but to train for to go to far or to Waterloo Iowa for the junior nationals um, uh, I got there and I went I ended up going I believe one and two okay and that that's and it was really disappointing um, I hit some good wrestlers right off I hit some guys that actually placed but um, you know I just I had a bad tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, for whatever reason, I wasn't at the level with those guys yet. I just didn't feel it. Um, so um, where I made that change is once I rolled into my junior year uh, at, the, at the high school level, I tech followed everybody um, in in um, high school as far as the state go state uh, season went. And then I rolled into the uh, junior nationals again. And I text followed everybody at the junior nationals and won won the tournament. Um, whatever from 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 my sophomore year to my junior year, that's where I made a huge jump. Not only did I become, you know, just a good wrestler, um, and was able to go into an event like Fargo, or excuse me, I keep saying Fargo, but um, going into an event like in Waterloo at the, at, for junior nationals and not just winning but dominating. And, and being able to tech fall, you know, 10 straight guys. Um, and, and I took it to another level there. I think, um, 
a lot of the reason was, no, I don't think, but I know a lot of the reason was, was at that time, John was going into his red shirt year. Oh. My brother mm-hmm. was going into his red shirt year. And over Christmas break, um, going into my junior, in, into my junior year, over Christmas break, um, every time the brothers would come home from Stillwater, um, we worked out at Dell City High School. You know, we didn't, we didn't take Christmas off. Mm-hmm. You know, we, the, the boys would come home and, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, if they're there, let's go to the gym after we open presents up, whatever, let's get a workout in. Nobody told us to do that. Um, dad for sure didn't tell us we had to go do that. Mom didn't tell us we had to go do that. And it's like my dad used to always say, he had a very easy job when it came to his boys because his boys were all self-motivated. Mm. He's like, I didn't ever have to say anything to them. They just did it. Mm. And and they took it the extra. Um, so, you know, we we would go up there and um, and work out during Christmas break. Well, I know that junior year, um, I went up to um, to the room of Dell City High School, and John and I were working out. I remember this like it was yesterday, literally like it was yesterday. It was such it took made such an impact on my career mm-hmm. that it's just something that just is so vivid. Um, and we started working out, and I remember John telling me, he said, I want you to try to stop my shot. And I said, okay. So I got down, and I started wrestling him, and I was going to stop whatever shot he was going to take on me. Well, he hit a low single leg on me, and I'd never seen it. And the way he hit that low single leg is the way that I teach it today. It never changed. It never changed. It never evolved. It, 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 from, from the day he took that shot on me, um, nobody's ever taught it any better or, or, or improved it. It was just perfection from the moment it happened. And every little skill and every little detail was perfection. And he got down. He hit the shot on me. He took me down. He shoots to my ankle. Okay, first thing I'm thinking of as soon as he shoots is what in the world just happened? Nobody's ever shot down to my ankles like this. And from the outside. And with that type of speed. And he took me down. I'm like, what did you just do to me? And he's like, let me show you. So we worked on that low single leg in the wrestling room. And he was showing me how he was moving. And he was showing me a lot of different finishes. And, you know, John used to always say it's, it's, it's not getting to the leg. That's the hard part. We can all do that. It's the finishes. Mm. So... John, not only did he develop the low single leg, um, he, he developed so many finishes that you see these international world level wrestlers doing still to this day mm. and, and inventing it. Um, so I really believe at that time and the style, how he moved his feet. And the one thing that John uh, and I had um, that we were blessed with was we had speed. We were fast. And I think that was our, that was our strong point is that we were extremely explosive. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only being strong, but, but definitely the speed is what separated us from our, from our opponents. Um, so I was able to, to, to develop that low single leg and be really good at it. Um, cause it is a fast man shot. Um, so, um, uh, once I did that, 
and started working on it and training on it and just just consuming myself with the shot, the movement, and all the other little details that he showed me how to work on and how to move and this and that and work an elbow high crotch off of it, which, you know, I had never done an elbow high crotch uh, like he showed me that day, you know, and, and I was thinking, oh, this is, this is it, elbow high crotch. Pop the elbow off the, sh- pop the hand off the shoulder, how you dip the shoulder, how you change levels, everything, all the movement, how you rotate your shoulders, on and on and on. And we just, we just pounded it out for about two days during Christmas. I think it was, matter of fact, I think it was on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. This is when we were, we worked on all that stuff, uh, while he was home. And that, I drilled it, drilled it, drilled it. That became my style. Once I started wrestling that style, it, it just changed me. And, and I was dominating and they couldn't stop the low single leg. And, you know, my sophomore year, I go into, uh, junior nationals. I get beat out. My junior year, a year later, I tech fall everybody. Well, it was because I, I was able to change my style up. Mm. And I was able to, I was lucky to have the guy that was changing the style of wrestling to be my brother and helping me with it. And I had the ability to be able to wrestle that style. Mm. And um, so I took that and I ran with it. You know, it was, I, was, I was given a gift. You either, you know, take it or you just walk away from it. But so, you know, I took it and I, and, and I ran with it. And that's where I saw myself really change. And, um, you know, every match I was in, I was popping little single legs. Nobody could stop it. And, um, it just took me to another level. They couldn't stop it at the world level, let alone the high school level. Right. right. Absolutely. A- absolutely. And, and, um, how revolutionary was it at the time? Uh, I'd never seen anything like it. I never, I've never seen anything like it. And, and I'll tell you, um, I'm not sure we'll ever see anybody, any one wrestler ever in our lifetime. Now, maybe, maybe it'll happen, and hopefully it does. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it does, because it's only for the best in our sport. But I'm not sure we'll ever see anybody in our lifetime change the sport like he changed the sport. And he changed the sport during his red shirt um, year at Oklahoma State. I think that was the, and I think he would tell you that, that was probably um, the best thing he ever did was red shirt while he was in college because, you know, he trained really hard. I mean, he wasn't the guy that took the red shirt year and just kind of went, went, you know, ho-ho into the season and, mm-hmm. and just got some workouts in and, Oh, uh, well, I'm not wrestling. I can relax a little bit. No, no, no. He, he was training harder than the guys that were competing during the season. And not only that, he was changing the sport and he was, he was developing a new style and he locked in on something. There's now he's never told me this, but he's, I know for a fact that he had to have locked, he locked in on something where he was realizing I'm tapping into something special. I'm tapping into something that comes around once every hundred years. Right. And, and, um, you know, he, he, that's when he started, that's when he changed. That's when John Smith changed. Just mm-hmm. when John Smith's style changed. You go watch John Russell in the NCAA tournament, um, as a, 
as a freshman, as a sophomore, go watch him wrestle against Jim Jordan in the NCAA Finals. Well, then you take John Smith after his redshirt year wrestling world world championships or, or at the world level and in college. Well, those are two different wrestlers and two different styles. Mm-hmm. And this one over here, okay, that's wrestling after his redshirt year is slick, fast, and unstoppable. And it was all because of the style that he developed. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and I was always encouraged, you know, he always encouraged me and told me, you, you, you can wrestle this style. This is your style too, because you've got what it takes to wrestle this style. And, um, that's, that's when, that's when I changed. I really did. That's when I think, um, I took it to another level and, um, and it, it carried me all the way through my career. And you have to talk about also though, so you had that moment where you jump levels in two days, unbelievable. Right. But that summer when you went one and one or one and two at the junior nationals, yeah. didn't your dad say something to you when you're sitting there crying and he said someday that guy. That, that's very, that's, that, that, that was, that, yes. And I'll share that story. That, that was one of the most, uh, you know, uh, impact, biggest impacts I ever had in my wrestling career. And it, and it, it, it was the biggest impact. Um, I remember um, after I got beat out, which was early on, my my sophomore year uh, juniors, I walked up and up into the tunnel, up in the uh, um, Unidome, mm-hmm. in the hallway. I found a little corner and I bawled my eyes out. I was sitting there. I had my head between my legs, crying my eyes out. And my dad found me about an hour later, which he's going to find you. So he found me about a, an hour later. And the thing about my dad is, you know, he missed his calling in life. He would have been a really good coach. Mm. He w- he would have been a fabulous coach. And and before I share the story, you know, talking about my dad, we we my brothers and I wouldn't. I don't know if we would be who we are today if we didn't have parents like we had. You know, my dad was my dad was not the. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you? My dad never ever ever said a negative word to me growing up with wrestling winning or losing or whatever it may be any kind of failure that i had in wrestling there was never negative words okay i would and and my dad explained later i didn't have to do that they put so much pressure on themselves i didn't need to add any more pressure my dad just used to say after we got beat in a tournament let's go get some ice cream and that was it. Very, very simple man, quiet, and that was it, and never any pressure. Now, when I would start speaking about how I should have beat that guy, I should have beat this guy, you know, that's where that's where he he would step in and 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 was and be stern about it and let you know that, hey, that guy beat you because he obviously outworked you. And if you if you if you want to beat those guys then you got to make sure you outwork them. And that's up to you. Okay? And if you don't outwork them, you didn't want it bad enough. And that's the way he would talk to us. Um, is is that beating us down? No. That was, That is just, hey, I'm being honest with you. Son, whether you do it or not, and he used to tell us this all the time. He says, whether you do it or not, I love you. <laughs> it makes no difference to me. Okay? But if you want to be the best, then you outwork them. So either do it or not. 
Um, so anyways, I was, I was in the corner. I was bawling my eyes out and he comes up to me and he kneels down in front of me and he picks my face up and he said, looked at me and he said, let me tell you something. One day that guy is going to say he beat Pat Smith. And he said, you know that and know that because that's going, that's going to happen. He's going to say, one day I beat Pat Smith. Hmm. And I knew right. And then that was it. And he got up and he walked off. And at that moment, at that moment, right there in that moment, because my dad said that, because I, I, you know, whatever my dad said, I mean, it, it was, it was everything. You know, I, whatever he said it was going to happen. That's the way I looked at my father. Um, that's how much I admired him. And at that moment right there, I knew that I was going to be a champion. I knew that I was going to do something special in this, in this sport. I knew that I was going to be a great wrestler. And I knew that one day that guy was going to say he beat Pat Smith. And that really changed me right then and there too, as well. And, uh, with that, with John changing the sport like he did, you know, those, those are the things that just come along in your lifetime that can, that can take you one way or take you the other. And you see it all the time in wrestling. What happened to this kid? He's, 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 he's good. He's wrestling. He's, 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 uh, one of the best kids in the country. And then they just slide off. I mean, something took him down that path. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always blessed to be around a group of people, family that we were, we were always pumping each other up, always staying confident being honest, being honest about it while we're doing it and, and moving in the right direction. And I always felt like, you know, I was able to move in the right direction because of my environment. Hmm. And you talk about all those, all those amazing factors coming into play. In 1988, you watched your brother win the Olympics for the first time. Yes. Describe the experience of watching John in 88 in Korea. Um, it was just, it was just, one of the greatest experiences I've ever, I've ever witnessed just to be able to see my brother go out there and know how hard he, he worked, um, to, to get to that level. Mm-hmm. Um, watching him out there using his style that they could not stop and, 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 um, and how, how, how much time he put in to developing that style over that red shirt year. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm not talking, I'm not talking one practice a day. You know, there was two practices a day most of the time. And it was just very exciting to see him do that. I was very, you know, obviously just proud and, and happy that he achieved his goals. Um, and he, he, to me, he looked, uh, you know, and I watched the finals and everything. And not only did he look like the best guy in the weight class, he looked like the best guy in the tournament. And, um, just the way he moved and the way he wrestled. And, uh, Sarkissian was a wrestler that they brought out, um, and pulled down from 149, who was going to be the guy to stop John. And he was extremely good. And I think I remember John saying right after that, I mean, maybe a few weeks after that tournament when he got back, um, I remember him telling me that's the strongest guy I've ever wrestled. I, I will never wrestle a guy as strong as Sarkissian. So 
And he looked strong. He said, but man, I'm telling you that that guy had a strength that you couldn't move him. Um, so, you know, it was just, it was very exciting to see him to, to go and win an Olympic gold medal. And that, that's the pinnacle of our sport is to be an Olympic champion and to go watch my brother do that. Um, I, you know, Leroy in 84, I think it was, I think it, I think it healed a lot of us in our family. Um, you know, mom and dad and brothers and sisters. I think it all, you know, healed us a little bit. We had, we had some scars from 84 with mm-hmm. Leroy and we all had some scars that we were carrying and those scars were deep. And, um, you know, I don't want to get too much into that, but, um, it, it was just for, for him to win the Olympics. I think it, I think it healed a little bit of our scars up that we had. Um, so, you know, it, it was very emotional. Not only were we excited to see John win the Olympics and, and the family was excited about that, but it also, it healed us a little bit. And, um, you know, that was good to see. Were there any of those scars there when you wrestled Tom Ryan in 91? No. Got no, it. no. I, 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 I didn't have any scars um, when I wrestled Tom. You know, I wrestled, you know, I wrestled Steiner before I wrestled Tom, um, you know, uh, my freshman year. So um, I, I don't think there was too many scars. I just knew that I did not, did not want to get beat by an Iowa guy, nor was I ever going to get beat by an Iowa guy. That was in my head. And um, I am not going to let one of those guys ever in my career beat me and whether that was um you know had something to do with the past most likely it did mm-hmm. okay i had to do something with the past but um i just wasn't going i wasn't going to allow it and uh it fueled me and i think john john felt the same way when john wrestled uh randy lewis in the 88 in the Olympic trials, John Smith was not going to get beat. Okay. Because, you know, um, you know, we, we had some scars and, 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 uh, we were, um, you know, angry. Yeah. <laughs> we were angry and, um, we were going to, um, make sure that, uh, nobody on that other side ever gets success from us. And I think that's the way we felt deep down. Um, now with that said, do I love those guys? Yeah, they're great guys. I mean, um, you know, situations happen, um, things happen and, um, you know, that, that, um, you know, um, you wish didn't happen, but, um, you know, Dan Grable, Dan Gable is a great coach, great man, you know, um, a pillar of our sport. Those guys, um, you know, Randy Lewis is a good friend. Um, you know, the Iowa guys are good friends. Um, so, and what I was really impressed with, you know, um, with all that and even in that situation there is we, we, we were able to, especially John and I, we were able to see, to follow Leroy's lead. And Leroy just carried himself with class. Leroy, one time did I ever see Leroy ever um, talk bad about anybody? Did I ever see him um, pout about it? Did I ever see him 
you know, throw stones, anything like that. I never saw it. He carried himself in the right way. And he was a leader and he showed us and we did the same thing. And, um, you know, um, that, that I admired him more for that than that situation and watching him because you got to remember that a 14 year old kid like myself, we know we see everything that's happening. You don't think we do, but we do. And I watched how my brother carried himself and that's when he really became my hero and not, not, not having to go win an Olympic gold medal, but he became my hero because of how he handled himself and he held him, handled himself with dignity and he, and he carried himself the right way. And, um, you know, unfortunately there's just people in this world that don't do that anymore. Right. Um, but, um, he did and he still does to this day, you know, it's just, it's amazing. And he still does this day. And so, um, We've learned a lot from Leroy um, by him not making the team. Yeah. Yeah. I love how he says, if that's the worst thing that happened to him, he's had a good life. That's right. You know, and it's like so obvious to say that. But at the time, you know, like Mark Trello told me one time, when you're in wrestling, it's the most important thing in the world. When you're out of it, it's like a, a quarter of your life. Right. right. But when you're in it, it's everything because it takes so much. So right. just how he handled that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, your freshman year in college, we were talking this morning. Uh, yeah. So you watched John in 88. You're on a roll. You're the number one recruit. Your freshman year in college, um, Bob Dellinger told you that you should redshirt. Bob Dellinger. Um, Bob Dellinger was the executive director, president of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, which is right next door to Gallagher. And um, at that time, all the athletic uh, students um, had study hall in the Hall of Fame. Um, and there was a section of the Hall of Fame where we would go and, and do our study hall. And so I would see Bob Dillinger just nearly every day. Well, at that time, um, going into my freshman year, uh, Wes White, who was just a returning All-American, and he was a stud. Wes White um, got sick and, and had some medical problems, issues that he was dealing with that were severe. And um, it really just took a toll on him where he needed to sit out um, of wrestling mm-hmm. and, and, and get his problems taken care of. Um, and he was going to be the starting 158-pounder. I was probably going to redshirt. And, and at the same time, we had a guy by the name of Jeff McAllister who was his backup, who if West doesn't wrestle, this guy's going to probably be in the top four. So, and then here I am, the third guy. So the weight was loaded, and um, we get into uh, September, I think it was about probably towards the end of September, and Wes had to check out. Um, he had to um, take care of his medical issues and just wasn't going to wrestle, mm-hmm. and um, I believe just dropped out of school, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, or, or he did have to dropped out of wrestling for sure, I know that. And then, so now it was down to Jeff McAllister and I, well... We started um, into November, started ranking matches, that type of thing. And, you know, right off the bat, Jeff's, Jeff's ranked like fourth or fifth in the country is what he gets ranked for the, for the season. And um, I wrestled him, and I beat him first match um, um, seven to five. And then, then the, 
second match in the ranking match, I beat him by about 10 points or so, if not more. But back that up, when those guys were all there at the time, Bob Dillinger, who was a good friend of mine, used to tell was was always telling me when I'd walk in his office and sit down, he says, well, you need the red shirt. You know that. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's a little too early to say I need a red shirt. I mean, you're basically saying I can't make the team. That's the way I'm thinking in my head, right? So, um, but he was very adamant about me redshirting. You need a redshirt, you need to get a year under your belt, and maybe you can go be an All-American next year. So, um, All-American. All-American. But at the time, a freshman All-American is what you did. Freshman All-American, freshmen don't go win national titles in 1990. They don't win them. I mean, how many of them was there before that? Not very many. So, um, he, uh, so that kind of started fueling the fire with me because I was like, hmm, um, not only am I not going to redshirt, I'm going to go make the team because here, you know, the fire's burning inside of me, okay? Because somebody's telling me that you need a redshirt and uh, you, you can make the team next year. And I thought, well, no, I can make the team this year. Um, so anyways, that kind of, that put some fuel in my fire um, and, and once I started getting towards, uh, towards November, December, um, you know, I was wrestling McAllister and I was beating him pretty good. Now, Wes is already out of the picture. Um, and then that's when they decided to pull me out of the red shirt. They had been wrestling, um, McAllister in the matches during November and December, but they decided to pull me out of red shirt at, during Christmas break. And that's when I went up to Portland. And that's where it all started. So um, I get to Portland. First match I have, we wrestle Portland State. Okay. You know, we're Oklahoma State, defending national champions. We're wrestling Portland State. So everybody's got a pretty much a, I would say, a match they're going to all go win. Well, I happen to have a guy in my weight class named Dan Russell who was ranked third in the country. So I didn't get to have a, an easy match for my first match out. Now, you know, growing up, all I ever wanted to do was wrestle for Oklahoma State and wear the orange singlet. And, you know, how kids are growing always, kids, kids are always, you know, setting their goals through high school and they want to be a national champion. They want to be an Olympic champion on all of this and that. I never one time ever did I ever think of that. Never one time. My goal was always to wrestle for Oklahoma State and wear an orange singlet. Boom. First and foremost. That's what I wanted to do was wrestle for Oklahoma State and wear that orange singlet. And that was my goal. And um, so I get out there. I get the orange singlet on for the first time, and I get out there against Dan Russell. Wrestling him pretty good. First period, second period rolls around. And all of a sudden, I start whatever, hyperventilating, <laughs> fatigue, everything, mental breakdown, exhausted, probably pump myself up too much, whatever. And he cradled me and pinned me in, in, in my first match. So um, I get up, off, get up off the mat, dust myself off, and, and I head out, out the door, okay? So there was classrooms in the hallway. So I go find a classroom, and, um, you know, I leave the door. I didn't stick around. I didn't put my stuff on, you know whatever you call it just a dry that 
you know, it's just one of the, I had the one of those drives where I can't sit and watch other matches go on. Well, I just got pinned. You know, I, I'm going to go nuts here. So I'm out the arena and I go into a hallway and I find a, 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 um, a, uh, a classroom. So I walk into the classroom. I sit down. The duel's already over. Team's showering up. Joe C's trying to find me. He's the head wrestling coach. He's trying to find me. I'm sitting in a corner and I'm crying again. Joe C walks up to me. And this is what really changed me. Josie walked up to me and he found me in the classroom and he leaned over to me and he said, Patrick. And I looked up and he said, it was the worst mistake I ever made pulling you out of red shirt. Because we already sent Jeff McAllister for, to Fresno State and he's ranked fourth or fifth in the country right now. And he's gone. So it's not like we could throw him back in. And he said, it's the worst mistake I ever made in my coaching career. And he walked out. And I'm telling you, I felt like my the blood in my body was flowing so hard, I felt like my head was going to pop off. I was so angry and mad and just like, you sorry sucker. <laughs> and at that time... It, and, and and in that moment, when, when when a coach talks to a kid that way, I think you got to know them. There's kids that would have broke them. Hmm. It would have just it would have completely broke them. They would have never been the same. I wasn't that kind of kid. When you do that to me, okay, you're just putting fuel in the fire, buddy. You're 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 going you're you're going to get more out of me now. You talk to me like that, you're going to get a lot more out of me. And that's the way I was. Um, so next match I wrestled next day wrestled uh in the Portland State tournament and I wrestled Russell in the in the finals and he beat me 8 to 6. And then later on the next time I wrestled him was in the finals of the or not finals, excuse me, the semifinals of of the NCAA tournament and I beat him 17 to 4. And um you know, I was a much better wrestler, much more confident, you know, just I I, I was able to, you know, just get in the groove of the college season and, mm-hmm. and realizing my confidence built, realizing that I can wrestle with these guys. I can beat these guys. I can wrestle with these guys. So I took a little lump in that, which is understandable. You know, there's, you, you get pulled out and, and, you know, you only, you know, first three or four or five matches, you know, you, you're, you're trying to get the feel of this new level. So, mm-hmm. Anyways, that that was the story with that. Yeah. How much debate did you have in your own mind once he said that that you could hang at the D one level? Did you ever doubt yourself? No, never doubted myself. Um, I do remember that in the only doubt I did not have doubt at that time. Okay, the only doubt I had was when I first got when I first got to OSU and we we, we first started training. That was in the in October, middle of October. From October to about middle of November, training in the wrestling room, I was getting just pounded. Okay. Trying to find, cause I had never wrestled guys at this level. I never, I never knew how, I'm, you know, I never knew how to suck a leg in and fight it for a minute, if not longer, and dig it out and win. Okay. You have to develop that. Well, I, I didn't develop that in high school. 
I was teching people. So I had to learn that. And um, I called my dad up um, in, in November. I called my dad up on the phone and I said, Dad, I got a problem. He said, well, what is it? And I told him, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not cut out for this level. I said, I need, I need to transfer. I need to go somewhere else. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not cut out for Oklahoma State. And he said, um, well, I'll tell you what. You're going to finish the season. You're going to finish the year at Oklahoma State. And in May, after school's out, we'll, we'll assess the situation. And if you, feel st- if you still feel that way, then we'll look somewhere else. Well, we never had to talk about it again. But that was the one time I did call him one time and, and explain that to him because I was just, you know, I was just getting hammered those first three or four weeks in the wrestling room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one thing when you when you talk about my freshman year and what took me to the national championship my freshman year, I think it would be unfair not to talk about this. Chris Barnes was a two time NCAA champion. 177 pounder and he was just an animal um he was a senior my freshman year at oklahoma state i was 158 he was 177 he was two weights above me and i would work out with him every day he always grabbed me to work out with me i think he like i think he loved working out with me because of my speed okay he had i had something to give to him this guy's faster than anybody I'm going to wrestle. And, and, that, and that's what you look for when you're in a workout room. Hey, look for somebody that's, that's, I always like wrestling guys that are a little bigger and, and the better ones. And, um, sometimes the smaller ones that are faster than me. Why did I love wrestling John all the time? What made me at John is that he helped me with my footwork. He was so fast. He was faster than anybody in the world. If I get out there and move with him, I'm developing that speed too. Yeah. Okay, I'm developing my speed at the same time. So I would float from a John Smith up to a Chris Barnes. And then in the middle, you got Kenny Monday. So we had all those guys and, and, and on and on and on in the room. And, um, and I can get to that later, but you know, um, what happened with Chris Barnes? Chris Barnes. Um, he, he, when I, I would work, he would ask me to work out with him every day. So I did. And, and I wanted to. He was a national champion. I didn't look at Chris Barnes going, well, he's a national champion. He's two weights above me. I don't want to wrestle this guy. He's too big. You hear that all the time in wrestling rooms. I heard it last night in my practice room. Just in my practice room last night, my 152-pounder here is wrestling the best guy in the state of Arkansas at 170, and he doesn't want to wrestle him because he's too big. And I'm like, let me explain this. Let me explain to you. You don't understand the gift you're getting here. Okay. Quit worrying about them being a little bit bigger than you. Okay. So I wrestled Chris Barnes and I wanted to wrestle him. I was excited that the, our defending national champion wanted to train with me or get a match in with me. Out of the three matches, I get to get one with him. And he just pounded me every day. Every day. He pounded me. I don't think for the first two months I even got a takedown on him. Um, and nobody else did that year because he went, to, he had 205 takedowns to none against him and won the outstanding wrestler award at the NCAA tournament his senior year. Wow. So nobody took him down. So my whole thought, my whole thought was when I was working out with him day in and day out, 
I always stayed positive because in my mind, I told myself every time I go with Chris, if I get one takedown, if I can take Chris Barnes down, I'll take anybody down at 158. So here I am. I'm brainwashing myself. I'm brainwashing myself. Mm -hmm. And so it took a while before that happened, (laughs) about two months. But finally, I was getting takedowns on Chris and I was taking him down. And he was punching the mat, you know, where I was saying, ooh, okay, he's mad. This He's not giving it. He's pissed, okay? And now I'm not saying a bunch of takedowns. You know, he'd probably get 25 and I'd got two, but I was getting my two takedowns. I took my two takedowns and I ran with them, okay? I built my confidence with that one, two takedowns every practice because I was always telling myself, if I'm taking him down, I'm taking all these 158 pounders down. And that's the way I looked at it. And that's what I carried through the whole season with him. And I got to wrestle and train with him. And even towards the end of, 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 of the season. Now, could I go with him? No, I couldn't go with him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, at the end of the season, I'm getting three, four, five takedowns in a practice where he's getting 15 or so or 20. Okay. And that's what, that's what I was always evaluating myself with was Chris Barnes saying, where I'm at, where do I stand? And I, and I did it with all, I did that whole season. I did it through him. Mm. Where, where, where do I stand? How, how much, how much better am I getting through what I do with Chris Barnes? And, um, and when I step on the mat, the guys felt lighter. The guys don't move like Chris. They're not near as good as Chris, even though they're good. But it just built my confidence up. Mm. And, you know, I think, I think all great wrestlers, um, find little things like that. Yeah. You know, they find little, they, 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 in, they invent things during the season and, uh, look at things to, to make themselves better. Little edges that you try to figure out how to do. And to get yourself better. And that was one, that was, that was my edge, um, my freshman year is think outside the box, not just go, I'm going to walk into the wrestling room today, every day. I'm going to get the partner coach points at me to me to go get. And that's who I wrestle with. And it's a day in and day out deal. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's not what I did. I, I, I always tried to find the best. And that's the way John was. And I, and, um, you know, he was always looking. I wrestled John. I always wrestled John because I was bigger mm-hmm. and John wanted a bigger body and I was fast and I was bigger. And, and I know what John was thinking. John was thinking, I'm a 136 pounder. He's a 158 pounder. And when I wrestle 136 pounders, they're going to feel a lot lighter. Mm-hmm. It's not like wrestling Pat. So, um, you know, that's what I did my freshman year. And by the time I got to the, to the end, you know, my confidence level was up high. Um, and then my confidence really, really soared when the week they came out with rankings for the NCAA tournament, the seeds, um, they, they seeded me number one. And that's when, that's when I knew that I'm going to win it. You know, this, I'm going to win this because they're seeding me one. This is mine. This is my tournament. I'm going to win it. And, you know, I went in there and, and, and 
not just Chris Barnes, but I had John Smith. I had Kenny Monday that I was working out with every day, um, wrestling with those guys. Um, it was just an environment that only comes around very seldom. Mm. I mean, maybe very seldom that, that an environment like that where you have guys in the room like that that are just all around you, world champions, Olympic champions, NCAA champions, and they're all right there working out with you. You can't help but get better. Right. Okay? You can either break and quit, okay, or you can look at it the positive way. And that's what I did. I took every experience that I had, even the beatdowns that I had, the black eyes I had, the cuts over the face, the rubbing my nose clear across the gym. There was, I, I made that into a positive. I'm only getting tougher. You know, it was everything I did was I'm, this is, this is only going to make me better and I'm excited to be here. It wasn't about, oh, who's going to beat me in practice and, you know, this and that. It was, it was, I want the best guys. And if they're whooping my butts, then, then I'm going to stay on them until I get that one takedown. Mm. And then I'll work on my second takedown the next day and then on and on and on. So, um, you know, those are the things that, that, that made me into, into a national champion as a freshman. Now, with that said, I truly believe in at all my levels that I and I and I still believe this to this day is that my freshman year in the NCAA tournament, I was probably the best wrestler I ever was in my career. I truly believe that. Why? I, I was on I was on such a I was hitting on all cylinders. I was hitting on all cylinders. My freshman year, I was hitting on all cylinders. I was a, I was a, I was smoother. I was faster. I was dominant. My confidence level was higher. Um, I was wrestling Kenny Monday and Kenny Monday was defending world champ at 163. And Kenny Monday and I were going pretty even. And, um, you know, I remember him one time in, we were in Virginia. Um, and I'm sure Kitty remembers this story. We were in Virginia at the uh, Virginia Duels, and we were about to wrestle Iowa in the finals. And uh, Mark Ryland is who I wrestled, and he was a national champion. I wrestled Mark Ryland in the duel, and I think I beat him 15 to 5. Um, what year? My freshman year, 1990. No. Yep. What? Yep. Because he beat the Randleman the next year in 91. Yep. Yeah, I beat him fifteen to five, fifteen to five, or maybe seventeen. To five. I mean, it was a pretty good spanking. But I, I wrestled Mark Ryland in the in the um, in the fi- in the finals of the duels, Iowa OSU. We ended up winning the duel meet. Um, but before that duel meet that morning, um, I wrestled with Ken- I was wrestling with Kenny because I'd always work out and go with Kenny. And I was hitting on all cylinders. I was dead even with Kenny. I, I was, we were just right there toe to toe. And he was defending world Olympic champion. And I remember after I got done working out with him, he, he came over to me and he said, you're there. You got it. You, you no talent. The sky's the limit for you. He's like, you, you've got it. Unbelievable. Cause, you know, he was going hard and I was getting takedowns. And 
So I was, I was hitting a level, um, that, um, I, I felt like was unstoppable. And when I wrestled in the NCAA tournament my freshman year, I was dominant. I mean, I didn't have, you know, I wrestled Dan Russell in the semis and beat him 17 to four. Here's I mean, what Dan said about that match. Cause like to me, the craziest thing is, I don't know if it's ever happened in history where there's a guy who's in a bracket who's undefeated and is two and zero against the number one seed, but doesn't get the one seed. Like that was pretty crazy to me. I'm like, right. but he was a D two guy. Right. right sure. So, but he was the four seed. Right. You know, cause you guys met in the semis. So, it was just crazy that someone who had two wins over you in one year was seated fourth and that you had this confidence. I mean, you were going up against a guy you would never beat in your life, right. you know? Right. But um, here's, what, here's what Dan Russell said about that match. Um, here's Dan. I think by the time we got to the NCAAs, uh, Pat was – extremely well coached in, in the in strategy. The score that our match that we had in, at the NCAAs was, uh, it, it, it was not a great score on my end, but the score did not reflect uh, how bad he beat me in that match. Uh, it, it, uh, his strategy, the, the, his tactic, um, he, he wrestled a perfect match. And I think that's one of the things that, uh, you know, when Pat went to the NCAAs, uh, he wrestled it like he wrestled any other tournament. And, and Pat was one that didn't, didn't want to lose. And, uh, um, he was well prepared. I think he was well coached and, uh, he just went out and wrestled. Pretty cool. Yes. Very cool. I mean, to have a guy who was on that level to say that, and he was, as a junior, I mean, what was your self-talk and your visualization before the Dan Russell match at the semis your freshman year? Um, or were you a big visualizer? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I remember, I remember spending a lot of time back in the tunnel. Um, what I did is I would go back in the tunnel right there in the, in the middle of the arena. There was a tunnel and... Um, Fortunately, they had they had the podium. They had the the podium um, setting up right there in the middle. Okay, right out there in the middle. As you go through the po- tunnel, there's the podium, and I would go up there to the podium from the first match all the way to the finals, and I would sit on top of that podium, and I sit on top of that podium, and I said, "I'm going to be standing on this Saturday night." So I the in between matches. In between matches, I was never in the stands. I was sitting on that podium. I'm sure the guys that were back there warming up in the tunnels were like, that Smith kid won't get off the freaking first place podium. Well, I was sitting up there because I'm, I'm telling, I'm, this is mine. This is where I'm, I'm going to be standing. So, you know, I had a lot of confidence going for me and I was wrestling at my best. And it was like Dan Russell just said, he was clicking on all cylinders and. There, there comes a time in your life where I don't care if you win, I don't care if you win six world titles like John, or you win four national titles like me, or whatever it may be. There's somewhere in one of those years you can point out and say, I was better than any of those times. Hmm. I, that, 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 that season, that tournament, okay, I was better than I was in any of them. 
And I feel like I still to this day feel like it was my freshman year. Do I think if my if my freshman year in the NCAA tournament had Pat Smith gone against the Pat Smith the sophomore year, the junior year, and the senior year, I think the freshman would have won. How would you compare the feeling and just freeness you had as a freshman versus your sophomore year against Tom Ryan, where it looked like you were wrestling very tight throughout that tournament? Well, yeah. Well, you know, once, once... Now, once you win something, okay, once you win a title, it's harder to repeat, okay? That's where pressure set in. Well, you're taking a, you're taking an 18-year-old kid who's a true freshman who's just glad to be here, okay, and wrestling, all right? And it's just excited about wearing the orange singlet, okay? And he's just free spirit, go cut loose, and, and, you know, you're a freshman and have fun. Well, that's the way I was. Well, once you win and you have to defend, then it gets tougher. That's when it gets tougher, okay? Now there's a bullseye on you, and everybody's coming after you. And now everybody expects you to repeat. Um, So I felt like... um, that sophomore year, um, that was that was a tough tournament to grind through. I think it was one of my it was it was the toughest tournament um, by far that I had that I had to grind through the tournament mm. and 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 just find ways to win. You know, my first match I had a tough match. Um, I believe it was against a guy from Liberty, and. Um, you know, it was a tough match and not nothing. It wasn't something I was expecting. And if, and if I remember right, I think the score was like 15 to 10. Well, that was the first time all year you've been taken down. Yes. All year. All year. It was the first time I got taken down and it rattled me a little bit. Um, and, um, you know, I had to paddle. A lot of people don't realize that match or don't know about that match, but that was a match that I had to battle like no other and suck it up and dig deep to win. Mm. And um, once I got past that match, my quarterfinals and my semifinals were a lot, lot, you know, I had a lot more control in them and, and, and um, you know, felt confident through the whole match. Now we got to Tom Ryan and um, Tom was ready. Tom was ready. Tom ste- stepped out on that mat and he was ready to win it. And, um, he was coming at me, um, and I had to dig deep. I mean, it, it was probably one, it was not probably, it was the one match in my career that I had to go dig deeper than I've ever dug in my life to win that match. Um, he was hitting on all cylinders. He was strong, um, and he was determined. And he was not going to be denied. You could feel it when you were wrestling him. Mm. And he was a man on his on a, on a mission. And when you get somebody like that, you're in a battle. And that's what it's all about. And um, like it's not every time that two guys go out there that they both really believe they can win. It might right. only happen like ten times in your career. Right. Absolutely. But, but that was a night where you thought he was believing he could win that night. That I was to- totally believed that that night he was believing he could win. Yeah. And and. And, and he, I don't think 
that, and, and I'm not taking away from anybody else that I wrestled. Trust me, I'm not, sure. I'm not doing that. I respect all the guys that I've wrestled because they were all great wrestlers. But um, I wrestled a lot of guys where I felt like I'm going to win and you know I'm going to win. And that was not the case with Tom Ryan. Mm. I'm going to win and I know you feel like you're going to win because I can feel it out here. You're coming in. And, and you're coming. he beat you at the St. Louis Open the year before. That's what actually got him a scholarship because he was a walk-on at Iowa. Because I don't know if you remember even wrestling at the St. Louis Open. No. He swear because his, his um, so he transferred from Syracuse, shows up at Gable's doorstep June, gives up a scholarship, walks on, and that year he was going to start because Ryland was hurt, but Syracuse wouldn't release him. So he goes to the St. Louis Open, wrestles you, and Gable comes back and gives him like, 20% scholarship, right? Because you were a big name guy. And um, even though it was your freshman year, you were still Smith. But then, you know, going through the next year, all year. Oh, my freshman year. Yeah, at the St. Louis Open. You wrestled yeah. Tom Ryan. I he, did not know that until just now. Yeah, he said that. Because I was about to say, um, I won, I'm not sure if he ever beat me. But, okay, so I did. I got beat out of the, of the St. Louis Open. But I, I, don't, I wasn't sure who beat me twice. Somebody, I, got, I know I got beat by a guy from um, St. Uh, uh, Ed, or what is it, St. Ed's, Illinois, or um, uh, St. Edward, is it Edwards, Illinoisville? Oh, uh, Southern Illinois, Edwardsville. S- Southern Illinois. Uh, now, that guy beat me, okay, and then somebody else beat me. Don't and that's who it was. Wrestling unattached. I had no idea. Yeah. Till just now. So, um, yeah. And, and I wrestled him. I wrestled him in the Midlands mm-hmm. that year. Um, the year that we wrestled in the NCAA finals. I wrestled him in Midlands okay. and, and, um, and beat him in Midlands. And, um, it was a, not, not as close of a score, but, um, no, it was a great match and, and, um, you know, I was lucky to come out the winner, and you know, when I when when we got towards the end of the um, third period, you know, I knew I had one takedown left, and I mean it was a takedown, and I knew I had to take him down and ride him, and I had a game plan coming back, and and uh, when when I was coming back to that middle, I, I knew I was going to win. I was going to I was going to find a way to win. All I need is one takedown. And I thought to myself, Pat Smith, you can get one takedown. Go get it. You got 33 seconds left to get one takedown. Because I looked at that clock, and that's what it was. 33 seconds left when we went back to the middle. And I was thinking to myself, in 33 seconds, I'm taking him down. And, you know, and that's why you get takedowns. That's why, because they're believing. And that's and he was believing he was going to win. So um, I really do. I think it's a match for the ages when it comes to the NCAA tournament. It's the best. And here's the last the the last sequence because the way you went is so Smith family esque, it's it's kind of scary to to believe that that's how it went down. Um so thirty seconds left. You guys just got back from overtime at this point. What is Joe C telling Pat Smith? Stay low, stay focused. And once again, you go back to your basics, your bread and butter, and that is that Smith low single. You always you want to go back to what works best for you, and Smith is in on that low single. 
He's got Ryan down. That should be a takedown right there. That should put him on seven. Yeah, that's what did it. Was there a little misdirection there? A little misdirection. Absolutely. Yep, definitely. What, I don't know if you'd watched that before now, but what, what did you remember about that sequence? And for people who can't watch it because it's audio only, what did you hit on Tom Ryan there in the last 30 seconds? A low single leg. Yeah, I hit a low single leg. I, he was leading. I'd, I'd, now, I'd missed um, a few, few low single leg shots on him, but um, then went the other way and, and stung him with a, just basically a misdirection. And was able to get on him. But I tell you, the hard part was is riding him out for the next 20, 25 seconds. I mean, you're talking about a bulldog underneath you that's strong. I mean, that, that is one strong man. And, and to be able to, and I'm exhausted. You know, we're, we're both tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, I had to ride him out and, um, and, uh, I did. And, and I remember one, I remember one, situation when I was riding him out I threw a leg in and I, I, I almost figured forward my leg around his waist and I mean my foot was coming and I remember it about to touch and I pulled it back out and I thought to myself I hit a panic button like did they see that but I didn't figure four I mean I didn't mm-hmm. do it but it was it could have been called a different way um, you know could have been called a bad call which they would have you know mm-hmm. Anybody would have understand because it did get close. And I thought, oh, man. So in that situation, when I was riding him, you know, I thought I almost figured forward to his waist. But I didn't. But I was so afraid that they were going to call. And I was looking up at that ref going, he's not blowing that whistle. Keep going. So um, and then rode him out. And gosh, uh, I was I was just completely exhausted after that match. I mean, I just I just went through war. And uh, I'm sure Tom Ryan felt the same way. And, and that's why, um, you know, I think it's the biggest match I ever had in my college career. And even though the score was, what, eight to seven or something like that, um, I, I think it's a match that uh, I, I would put above all my matches. And you were at Carver Hawkeye. What's the atmosphere like that night at Carver Hawkeye? Well, I tell you, it's like you're, it's like you're, you're at a home duel against Iowa. That's what it's like. I mean, we, we used to, we used to, I mean, gripe up one side and down the other about, you know, and, and now they don't have them at, you know, arenas on school campuses anymore. But, you know, you, you go into Hawkeye Arena and you're wrestling the NCAA tournament, which it all should be kind of neutral. And, um, you know, whatever it seats, I don't know, 13,000 or so. Well, I promise you, there's 11,000 Hawkeye fans, and the rest are just fans from all over, everywhere else. And uh, so it was basically wrestling a guy uh, on his home turf with his with his fans, and he's got the home court advantage, basically. And uh, so that 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 was intense as well. But um, and they had such a good team that year. You know, '91 they had. Both Branzes, both Steiners, right. Ryland, Chad Zapital, Tom Ryan. Right. And you know, you guys had won the team title in ninety. Mm-hmm. And then that year, you know, Tom Brands and Alan Freed battle. There was a lot of head to head Oklahoma State, Iowa. And Absolutely. This the 
And that was Gable's first title since 86. Right. So it was a big deal. Right. You know? Right. And that all goes into that. People forget about all that. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people forget that, that during those times when I wrestled in my college career, especially, especially 90 through 94, somewhere around there, but definitely the 90, 91, 92 years, um, Oklahoma State and Iowa had some teams. I mean, those those two teams were loaded. I, I remember being in the wrestling room and um, looking around the room my freshman and sophomore year at Oklahoma State, and I'm telling you, there would be less than 20 wrestlers in our wrestling room working out. Less than 20 wrestlers in our wrestling room working out. But I could go down the lineup and tell you who they were. You know, you had you had um, Tony Perler, Nick Perler, Chris Owens, Alan Freed, Chuck Barbie, Todd Chesbro, Pat Smith, Robbie Haddon, um, Chris Barnes, uh, Randy Couture, Kirk Mammon. And then you had guys there training, John Smith, mm-hmm. Kenny Kendall Crosses. Uh, was Chesbro there? Kenny Monday. Todd Chesbro was there. Yeah. But Joe was the coach at the time. But we, would, we, had, we had 20 wrestlers in our room. All 20 could be national champion material guys. And they were national champion material guys. And I, I had never, I had never in my career until, until 2005 at Oklahoma State. During those years of, of 2005, 2006, um, really the 2005 year, I never seen a, a wrestling room at Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State than we had during my time there in those, in those two to three years because oh. It was just loaded. Not a lot of wrestlers, but every one of them were the best of the best. You know, almost all those guys that I named off were either national champions or runner-ups, you know. And then you had three Olympic champions in there working out, too. I mean, it was insane. And that's the thing, like, even during Iowa's peak, they never had three Olympic champs at the same time. Like, they had McElravey got a bronze, Terry got a bronze, Tom won. Tom won. Randy won in 84, but... At your time in 90, you had John Smith, reigning world champ, Kenny Monday, just beat Fed Zayoff, maybe mm-hmm. one of the best ever, mm-hmm. and then Kendall Cross was an Olympic champ. Well, Not until later, but, Not but still, the same guy. And that's all right there. Right there. And it's just hard to imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> that's how deep it was. Yeah. Um, now, it was unbelievable. You know, during this kind of glory days, um, the NCAA investigation starts. And I understand that was just like a black cloud. How distracting was that for the wrestlers on the team and for the coaches, like going through those interrogations almost? It was very distracting. Um, you know, they were in there every week. Um, and, and you know, it was interrogating. They, they, they brought the wrestlers in. We, they were talking to us once a week. Um, they would leave for three or four weeks at a time. And then we thought it was over, and here they are. They're coming back to talk more. And then we got into the season, and you're hoping that they just go away and because I want to train, and they would pop back in. You know, it, it didn't matter you were in your season or what. You know, mm-hmm. they, they don't care. They're trying to get to the problem and, uh, and solve the problem. So, um, you know, it was very distracting on the team. It really was. Um, and, um, I, I look back at it and I think, you know, we had that 91 season, that 91 season where we had, 
you know, a lot of good wrestlers. The NCAA started coming in at the end of 91, and they carried it into 92. And for us for us to go into the 92 NCAA championships with all the distractions we had, we had five guys in the NCAA finals. Five wrestlers made the NCAA finals. Now, I was the only one to win the national title out of our five guys, but we had, you know, four runner-ups, and Iowa still beat us. <laughs> um, By a lot. That's how tough the two teams that, were. That's how tough the two Crazy. teams were. You know, we had we had five guys in the NCAA finals and some All-Americans, you know, and um, still, you know, any other day, any other time, any other year, yeah. that's a team that would win an NCAA title. Oh. Um, no question about it. Um, well, Jim said that the investig- like when the people would come on campus, the NC investigators, they would take kids in there for like three hours at a time, and kids would come out, and they'd look like a ghost was on their face. Yeah, and, and I was one of them, and, and we, we all were. We were all in on it, and um, it was just, it was a black eye during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when I look back at it, um, you know, there was guys that lost years. They, they lost a year. Chuck Barbie mm-hmm. lost a year. Chuck Barbie would have been an NCAA champion, hands down. Would have won an NCAA title with one arm behind his back. Mm. I mean, he was that good. And he didn't get the opportunity to do it. And there was other wrestlers that, you know, um, you know, we had to lose. We had to lose, uh, you know. Tony uh, went to Nebraska. Tony Perler to Nebraska. And unfortunately, he had to win that national title under Nebraska. And he should have you know, he should have won that national title under Oklahoma State. Jaworski? T.J. Jaworski left. Um, you know, it, it broke up something that was going to be really special for a long time, I thought. And over something so little. It's just such a bureaucratic waste of money. It is. For years they did that. Right. And then the thing about it was, you know, when John, so 91, John wins the Worlds, and he says that's his best tournament ever. He's also the co-head coach for that season. Right. And Alan Freed said that sometimes you guys would have a new coach every week. Yeah. I mean, that must have been hard on you guys, but I know it cut, you know, some of John's performance short at the 92 Olympic trials. Absolutely. You know, he had to put time into that and, uh, and they, and they leaned on him and they leaned on Kenny. And, um, so, you know, those guys were having to pick up because they were, they were just co-head coaches and, um, and I'm not so sure they wanted the title, but no. they they loved Oklahoma State. I mean, those guys those guys didn't want that title. They they wanted to focus on winning an Olympic gold medal, and um, they were still in their careers. Um, but they did it because they loved Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. and that's why they did it. And they were going to be there for us. And and you know, there would be times like you said, you know, Kenny would be in in Russia, you know, and then a week later, John would be in. You know, Turkey, Cuba, yeah. yeah, wherever, and they were wrestling, and and but we made it work, and we had such a good room. Mm. We had, you know, we had we had guys in the room that were that were solid, and and we had a phenomenal team. And like I said earlier, you know, we had maybe less than twenty guys, but every one of them could could win a national title at any given day. So, um, and we were going to train hard. So. Um, and, you know, it was good to have those guys there. Um, but, um, no, it was, it was a, it was a tough time during that time. And to see us, like I said, to see us come, come and, you know, finish like we did in 92 
with five guys in the national finals and, and with the NCAA breathing down her neck. And, and it was all over petty stuff. Yeah. You know, people, people think that, you know, people think that there was money under the table. I used to hear all kinds of stuff. There was, there was this and that. And, you know, like some athletes get in other sports, you know, football where they, where dad gets a hundred thousand dollars and, and this and that. Well, you're not getting that in wrestling. I mean, I mean, nobody's giving that kind of stuff away. You know, we, we don't have the sport to do that. Um, but it was just really petty stuff. And what really took us down was, was the lion. When you, when you start lying to them is when, you know, guys start losing years, um, coaches get fired. And when you start going down that path, um, looking back at it, you know, you realize that, you know, and I live my life like this and I've learned lessons. I've learned a less, a lot of lessons and a lot of things in my life that, that I feel like now today, what I have in my life is, is good. And my, I don't feel like my, I feel like my life couldn't be any better than it is today because of lessons I've learned through my life. And that was one lesson I learned in my life. You know, you don't get anywhere, um, lying. And, um, or, or, you know, being dishonest. And had we had been honest, looking back at it, you know, 20 some odd years later, had, had the people that had the power to go in and be honest, um, on the OSU staff, they would have slapped us on the hand. Yeah. It would have been a slap on the hand and done with. I mean, it was so petty, but we, they got they got pissed off because they had to keep coming back. They had to keep coming back, and that's what got them mad. Mm. And that's when they laid down a boom on us, and you know, told us we couldn't compete the next year at the NCAA tournament, and that was our punishment. Which at that time that was kind of like a death penalty, but you know, being Oklahoma State. It didn't affect us too much. You know, you're not going to set us back like you would set SMU back in football. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to set us back. What did we do? The next year, the 94, we win the national title. And that's where, that's where John really came in. Um, during, during that time after they came out with the announcement of, um, we cannot compete in the NCAA tournament. Um, in in 93 that's when he really rallied us together and said if you stay now if you go i understand and those of you that are seniors going into your senior year and you've already redshirted you don't have a choice go you got to go uh tony perler you got to go to nebraska Mm -hmm. jody wilson you got to go to iowa state and place fourth that year Mm -hmm. you got to go do that you're fifth year seniors this is it. You yeah. got to leave because we're not having a national tournament. That's understandable. Um, and those guys had to do it. But the, the, the ones that could have redshirted, like me, um, uh, you know, that's where John rallied us around and said, if you do stay, we got a team to win that national title next year. And so we got together and we did stay. And the one guy I do admire more than anybody during that time was Alan Freed. Mm-hmm. I really admired Alan Freed and the commitment that he made to Oklahoma State. And I'll be honest with you, I was very surprised that he did it. 
Um, and the only reason why I say that, say that is I don't know if I could have done it. You know, learn, burn a year just to stay. Um, you get four in your whole life. You get four in your whole life. And as good as he was. He would have been a two-time national champion. And you know what? I and I and, and you know, being a wrestling buff like I am, not only am I a wrestler, but I'm a wrestling buff. You know, boy, wouldn't that have been something to see to see Freed wrestle McAravey McAravey's freshman year? McAravey said he wouldn't have come out of redshirt if Freed was wrestling. Oh, well then there you go. Because he goes, he goes. Freed was that good. Yeah, Freed was that good. He, but, but yeah. I was going to say because I've I've talked. I did a, a segment on that where Steiner went down. You know, already he was already pulling hard to go to fifty. Uh, might have even been forty-two. He goes down to thirty, whatever it was, thirty-four, thirty, thirty-six. Might have been one thirty-three. McAravey comes in. He gets beat his first match at Carver. Gable to get him ready. He brought in like a bunch of fans on like a Tuesday and did a fake duel meet just so that Lincoln could get used to the crowd at Carver. And then he goes out there and wins against Abbas at Carver. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit. That's one of the yeah. best matches ever, too. Right. You know, and it's same with him versus Marinetti. Lincoln had a lot of great ones, and he's amazing, yeah. obviously. Amazing. One of the greatest ever. Well, incredible. No and, and he's a cool dude. Yes. Very humble. Yeah. Um, but so all of this is going on while the pressure to win four titles is building. And I equate it to like the four minute mile, right? No one thought it could be done. Coming into 92, 93, you're probably ready. So the year you got the ban, you're probably ready for it to be over. You know? Yes. And like, you know, John's red shirt was a, a beautiful thing. I've heard that the red shirt for you was a tough experience. Very, very tough. Why? Well, because I was ready for it to be over. I was ready to wrap it up. I, w- I was, you know, when you, w- you know, you win your freshman year, you win your sophomore year, you know, you're on. You're halfway through, and there is pressure. Now you're starting to hear, really, after my freshman year, and especially after my sophomore year, you're starting to hear people, you know, coming and talking to you, getting in your ear nearly every week, saying, "You got to win four. You got to win four. Well, you, you know, you hear that every day. The community, okay, wrestlers around the country. Hey, you got to do this. You got to win four. Our sport needs it. Our sport needs it. I was listening to that a lot, and I heard that a lot. And, um, you know, that's where a little pressure builds, okay? And you you try to keep it in check. Um, obviously, I did keep it in check to be able to win it, mm-hmm. like to win four national titles as much as I could. Um, but I was ready to – I was ready to um, – I didn't want to redshirt it. You know, I didn't want to set out a year. I didn't, that was, that did not appeal to me at all. And, um, you know, I was very serious about going to Arizona State to wrestle for Leroy. And I was, I was, I was about to do it. Um, Leroy was the head coach at Arizona State at the time. Um, I was going to have to either, um, red shirt because we can't compete the NCAA tournament in 93 or I had the option. Now the NCAA gave me the option to leave if I wanted to leave without anybody stopping me or losing a year. Um, so I called Leroy up. I talked to my dad and I told my dad and I told Leroy, I said, I, I-, I want to go. I'm coming to Arizona state. 
I want to, I want, I don't want to sit out another year. Um, and you know, a little bit of it had to do with the fact that I was a little worried, a little worried that, you know, I got momentum. I don't want to stop for a year. This is important. I'm on a row. I want to keep it going. Um, and just setting out a year, and I wasn't familiar with setting out, you know, red shirting or anything like that, obviously. So I was just worried about losing momentum um, and, you know, not wrestling in any tournaments, training every day, that sort of thing. So um, I called Leroy, and Leroy was, you know, real good with me. He said, well, think about it. Think about it. Um you know, make sure this is the right decision. You make the right decision here because, um, you know, can't turn back if you do. So um, I did think about it. I talked to John a lot about it. Tell me about that conversation. Um, you know, he, he knew I was thinking about Arizona State, and and he just said, you know, do what you want to do. If that's what you feel like you need to do is go to Arizona State. But, um, you know, do you want to, you got to ask yourself, do you want to win um, two national titles at Oklahoma State and two at Arizona State? Or would you, or is it more important to you to win them all at Oklahoma State? And right there I knew, I want to win them all at Oklahoma State. You're right. I need to stay here. I'm a cowboy. I'm a cowboy for life. I don't need to break this up. And I need to stay and I need to finish out. And And that red shirt year was a good year. Um, I trained hard. We you know we didn't compete a lot. I believe that was the year I wrestled in Midlands. I did wrestle in Midlands, and I think that's when I beat um, Ray Miller in the finals. And I think I beat Tom there. Free Tom, Ben Brands. Free Ben Brands. I think I beat Tom Ryan. Yes. And I beat Ray Miller in the in the finals. So you know, Freed and I just kind of went and traveled on our own. You know, Freed and I drove up there to Midlands by ourselves. We just jumped in the car and went. We didn't, no coaches, no nothing. We just jumped in the, his old little station wagon and we headed up to Midlands and we both won and came back. So, you know, um, and then we got back to around to the next year and that's when I got into my junior year. And, and you know, that, that, that year I felt, you know, I felt really solid that yeah. year. And, and I got into the finals with, uh, Ray Miller. Um, like I said, I, I still to this day believe it's the best wrestler I've ever wrestled in college. Yeah. And not to take away from the other ones, because they were great too, but um, for whatever reason, for my style or whatever it may be, he was the best wrestler I've ever wrestled. Um, um, and got to the finals, and I was just so confident, you know, the, the thought of losing was just, it was, it was unacceptable. Um, I was not going to lose. I was going to win. I had full confidence that I was going to win the NCAA title, and it was a um, step out there and shake hands and make it happen and go get on the podium because that's what you're going to do, and um, and that's what I did. Now, so, the, the last thing I have to ask you about, because we're, we're almost done here. This has been incredible. Your senior year, the pressure's starting to build, and I, we're going to shoot a scene in the documentary. I'm calling it Under Pressure, and right. it's going to be about you because it's like, Students are coming up to you saying, hey, I bet 100 bucks on you. you got to win. Right. And John told me a story yesterday that during that year, Mark Branch was coming along. And right before the Nationals, I think I don't know if the pressure was getting you, but Mark started going a little bit even. And it started to maybe 
mess with your confidence at all. I don't know if you remember that or if that's just John's perspective, but he remembers like two weeks out from the Nationals your senior year, Mark might have had a good go against you, and it really, he kind of he kind of walked out and kind of helped you through it, but um, it was just interesting to hear that, that that's how the pressure was coming on you, and you even felt, you said, scared going into the Nationals. That's what Mark had told me. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, the pressure was definitely building going into going into the Nationals. Let's go from the two weeks on up. Yeah, perfect. Okay, let's go from two weeks on up. The pressure was starting to build. Um, not only that, a lot of people don't realize I tore my cartilage, okay, in my ribs um, in a dual meet against um, Joe Williams, even at the, for the tech fall. Um, you know, I was up by 13 points or something like that, and the last try to take down, I was trying to go around him, and I just tore my cartilage, and I screamed and hollered, fell down on the mat in the match, and then I got up, and all I needed was one takedown left, and I couldn't hardly bend over. And I ended up getting a shot in and took him down and just dropped because I was hurting. So I tore that cartilage, and I had to go through, I had to go through um, some, some, some serious pain for, for a few weeks uh, to heal that. And that was taking a toll on me because they had me on the stationary bikes a lot. I wasn't getting on the mat. And here I am trying to train for the national championship. And that type of thing. Well, when when I started getting healed up, and um, a couple of weeks before um, nationals, I was working out in the room. Now, Mark Branch, we decided that he was going to be the guy that's going to wrestle over George Parker. So he went and, and wrestled in the big, uh, big Eight tournament and ended up third. And then those those two weeks in there, he had never wrestled me like he 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 did that that those two weeks never never did he ever come close to me like he did those two weeks and i i didn't lose confidence like i think john thought i was losing confidence i knew i had a different wrestler and when i worked out with mark after about two or three days of training with mark and going pretty even with mark and mark's going pretty even with me i mean basically even and he has a losing record he has a losing record and he's going even with me, all right? So we're in about two, three days of workout on the, in the two weeks before we go. And um, I walk up to John, and I told John, I said, that kid is going to win an NCAA title. John's like, really? You think so? I'm like, I don't think so. I know so. That guy is winning an NCAA title. Because if he and I are going even, he's going to win 167. I'm like, that kid's winning it. And he wrestled me, and he was just on fire. But he hit a high. He hit a high. He hit an excitement. He was he was on cloud nine. He was the starter. He was grew up wanting to New, New, uh, uh, New Kirk, Oklahoma, just north of Stillwater, his whole life, wanting to wear an orange singlet, wanting to wrestle for Oklahoma State his whole life. And here he is in the moment. And, man, it was powerful. And he was hitting on all cylinders and we were working out together and I could feel it with him. And I told, and I told him, I told Mark, you're going to win the national title. You keep wrestling like you are these two weeks. You will walk in and you will win a national championship. And, and, and he did. Um, now, did I think it, did it mess with me? No, because I knew I was wrestling a national champion. 
kind of like how Kenny Monday told you that when you were a freshman. Yeah. I knew I was wrestling a national champion. And, um, you know, um, and, and, and Kenny Monday, you know, in, during that time, Kenny Monday told me, you can beat anybody in the world the way you wrestle right now. The way you're wrestling right now, you can beat anybody in the world. And that's what Kenny Monday told me that day in Virginia at the, at the, right before the, I wrestled Tom, uh, Mark Ryland, mm-hmm. excuse me, before I wrestled Mark Ryland. He, he had told me, you can beat anybody in the world the way you wrestle right now. And, um, so, you know, that's basically what I said to, to Mark Branch because it was true. Mm-hmm. I'm not blowing smoke up you. It's the fact. Um, you're hitting on all cylinders. So I don't think, I didn't, I never, I never, I can see where John thinks that confidence was getting broken down, but I knew I had a national champion that I was working out with at 167. I didn't care that he was 9 and 11. Mm-hmm. This guy's the national champion in two weeks, and that's who I'm working out with, and I knew it. And he was. And he was, and I knew it. I knew it. And um, so... Um, when you walked into the arena at North Carolina, did you feel all eyes on you, like the whole week? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The uh, eyes were on me. I mean, it was, you know, it was just like any of these other guys that are going for four national titles. Um you know, all eyes are on them. The talk is about them. Um, you know, um, it's it's the same thing. And, um, you know, I think there was a, a lot more pressure um, on me because I was the first one to ever do it. And I was going, I was, I was hitting uncharted waters. And um, there was a lot more pressure, um, I feel like. Um, so... You know, there was a lot of pressure build up and it was all I could do to uh, stay calm, stay confident, get in my own head. okay, and take one match at a time. And that's what I did when I stepped in that tournament. I remember, you know, sitting in my room, um, you know, thinking to myself, you know, just one match at a time. Don't worry about the big picture. And I broke it down to where I didn't focus on. I didn't look, I, I tried not to look at any of it like this is the NCAA championships. This is going for four. There's histories in stake. Okay. With all this, I didn't look at it like that. I couldn't. I looked at it as I'm going to wrestle five matches. I'm going to wrestle one match at a time. I'm going to wrestle this guy. Once I beat him, I'll mark him off and I'll go to the next guy and I'll focus on beating him. And I'm just going to wrestle one match at a time. And I remember telling myself always during that time that this is just another tournament. It's just another tournament. It's just called the NCAA tournament. But bottom line is, it's just another tournament. Okay? Go wrestle the tournament. Go win it. Take one match at a time. And and that's what I did. Um, had I looked at the big picture, well, we go to the NCAA tournament. What happens when, when our number one seeds get beat in the first round, or number two seeds get beat in the first round? Well, I don't know what's going in their head, but just guessing, guessing, they let the whole thing get to them. They they don't break it down. They don't focus on just one match at a time. Wrestle it. It's just another match. The circle's the same as it is in when you wrestle dual meets or in practice room. There's a guy in front of you. 
you got seven minutes, wrestle that match, and then move on to the next match. Mm. And don't ever look at winning a national title. Never one time in my career at Oklahoma State did I walk in the NCAA tournament thinking about winning the national title. It was one match at a time. Okay. Now, did I think I was the man every time I stepped on that match? Yes. But that's the way I had to do it. That's the way I broke it down. That's the way I, you know, I, 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 I kept myself calm, um, was being able to get in my head and, um, you know, think that way. And that's what I did. To Saturday morning, you wake up, you know, at this point, you got Bormet, who you've battled many times. Many times. You know, Good wrestler. He's a good wrestler. Beat him in the junior nationals in high school, the All-Star meet that year. Um, but in, regardless of Bormet, you wake up Saturday morning, you're in your hotel room. How are you feeling that day, knowing you're about 12 hours out? Well, I, wa- I woke up that morning, um, and uh, I um, got up that morning, and uh, Alan Freed and I went to the Waffle House, because that's where he wanted to go, was the Waffle House. So me and Alan and... Um, Mark Branch went to the Waffle House that morning because we were the three guys in the NCAA Finals. So we go to the Waffle House, and you know I'm I want my eggs, and you know I'm just I'm I'm you know I'm looking for a healthier meal at the Waffle House. I know that's hard to do, but but, but that's where Freed wanted to go. So we went there, and then uh, Mark Branch it, Mark Branch orders a um, a bacon cheeseburger. A big bacon cheeseburger, huge, with fries. And Freed says, are you going to eat that? Is that what you're going to eat the day of the NCAA tournament? And I looked at Freed and I said, hey, Freed, leave him alone. That's the way he eats every day. And let's not, let's not mess it up now. I said, just let him eat his bacon cheeseburger. <laughs> so uh, that's what we did that morning. We got up. We went to the Waffle House. And then later on, um, John and I went to the movies. We went to watch Red October. So it was about, I know the, 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 the finals, I think, was, was around 5 o'clock or something like that. So John and I went to like a 10 o'clock movie, and we went to watch Red October. And, and uh, I was very relaxed, you know, um, and, uh, um, you know, just confident. And, and um, so... Uh, got, 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 got back there. And once I got into the, into the tournament and everything, um, you know, I could feel the pressure. I can, I mean, you could feel the pressure. The pressure was there. And, uh, you know, the pressure's there for all athletes in, in situations like that. Um, but like I said, um, I had to get in my head. I had to keep myself calm. I had to look at it as just another match, even though it wasn't. But I had to, I had to brain my wa- brainwash myself to think, think that way. And I wrestled in that match and, you know, I won the match. Was I tight? Yeah. I was tight. Um, did I wrestle my best? No. I don't think I did. Um, I was tight. I had a lot riding on it. And, um, in the match, I can, I can remember thinking to myself, just win. Just get your hand raised. And, um, and that's what I did, but boy, it did, it took a toll on me. It really did take, take a toll on me. And the thing is, is that right after I won my fourth national title, um, I remember getting back home 
and you know we take about a week off and stuff and then all of a sudden everybody's just you know because you have a lot of good wrestlers at oklahoma state everybody and the coaches and everybody we're talking about going to the u.s open and i remember thinking to myself oh i'm worn out mentally Mm -hmm. this has been a long five years i'm worn out and um so, you know, I had to pick myself back up and and continue, um, and you know, go for the go for the next goal, which is make an Olympic team, be an Olympic champion, try to win a world title, and that type of thing. Um, and you know, the passion I don't think was was there as much as um, it was in college. Um, I think winning four took a lot out of me. Um, you know, no excuse. I'm not making an excuse up. I'm just being honest. Um, but, um, and I still, I still gave it everything I got. Don't, don't get me wrong. And I, and, and, um, you know, I put my heart and soul into those few years that I wrestled in international. But, um, if I could go back and I could change one thing, one thing in my in my career, um, I th- I would definitely have taken a year off after my NCAA tournament, my my senior year. I would have taken a full year off to just regroup and then go back into in, go back into international. I think I'd have wrestled a lot longer, mm. um, and maybe I wouldn't have. Maybe maybe. It would have set me back. I don't know. Who knows? You know, you, you don't know. But I feel like at that time I needed a break. I need to recharge. I needed to, um, you know, just get my bearings back because mm-hmm. I just went through a grueling four years, five years of pressure. And um, I think that would have I think that would have helped me in my international career. Um, and may, again, maybe not, but. I think I could. I think I would have wrestled a lot longer past '96. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have wrestled into maybe 2000. Who knows? But and you never know. That's all speculation. Then you wouldn't be down here doing this, you right, know? Yeah, right? Who knows, right? Right. Who knows? And so you know, those those are some things I look back at, and maybe it wouldn't have even made a difference. I don't. I don't know. And I, and I had a good international career. I feel like I had. Did I win world titles? Did I win Olympic titles? No. And, um, but at the same time, you know, um, a lot of, maybe people know or maybe people don't know, but 163 pounds during those times were stacked. You're talking about Kenny Mondays, Dave Schultz, Rob Coe, Ray Miller, I can go on and on. Not to mention the best wrestler. Mar- Marcus Molika, on and on. Satiev in Russia. Satiev in Russia, who I wrestled. Did you? Yes, I wrestled him in the finals um, in 94. Um, I'll tell you a funny story. I wrestled in, um, I think it was 94, 95. 95, in January 95, um, it was the Ode to Blissey tournament. Got it. Okay? Um, it was the Ode to Blissey tournament, and I wrestled... Um, Satiev, so we go over there. The national team goes there. The Brands brothers were there. Royce Alger was on that team, and myself and a few other guys. But uh, Kirk Angle was there. We had a good group that went over to this tournament. 
So I got over there and um, Tom, Terry Brands and I were the only one who made the finals. We were the only one who made the finals. We both got beat in the finals, I believe. Um, we both got beat, but we made it to the to the finals. And uh, what a tournament! I mean, you're mm. you're wrestling one Russian after another. So I get to the semifinals and um, I wrestle this guy, and I beat him six seven three. I walk off the mat. Bruce Burnett was my coach sitting in the corner. So I walk off the mat and he said, you're going to win it. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, you're going to win it. He's like, that's their best wrestler. He said he was a world silver medalist last year and that's the best wrestler they got. Well, nobody has seen Satyev yet. <laughs> he hasn't even won a world title. Oh God. He's just now on the scene. Right. So I'm like, okay, well, that sounds good to me. Cool. <laughs> I still, I, fine with me, but I still got to wrestle in the finals. So I get to the finals. I step out with Satya, and right off the bat, I'm thinking to myself, this is the best wrestler they've got because <laughs> his hands, you know, just his hands and his movement, just, just the way he could flow and wrestle. I mean, he was just unstoppable. And I wrestled him and, and, you know, I've got some takedowns on him, but, you know, he put it on me pretty good. And, and, uh, I walk off the mat and Bruce was standing right there. And I said, uh, I told Bruce in, in kind words, I told Bruce, I said, well, you're wrong. And he was like, what are you talking about? I said, that guy wrestling the semis, that's not their best wrestler. That's their best wrestler. And I was pointing at Satyev and he was like, I don't know who he is. Well, that was who it was, Bouvier Satyev. And then he just went on, what, two months later and won the world championships. But Three Olympic goals. Three Olympic goals. The yes. best guy you ever touched? Best guy I've ever touched. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No question about it. No question about it. He's the best guy I ever put hands on. And he, li- I like him because he reminds me of how you look at John, you wouldn't think that he's a world beater, just physical stature. Right. Satyev looks like a librarian. He has yes. a beard. He looks tall. He looks kind of like... He looks kind of awkward. Yes. You know, but man, the way he hits those slide bys and just his control is just unbelievable. Yes, yes. And just the way he, he, he just, the positions that he gets in and he scores out of them and he's just the way he moves you. It's just, mm-hmm. I've never wrestled anybody like it. Wow. And, um, and he was dominating. And, um, but yeah, he was the best wrestler, best wrestler I've ever wrestled. Wow. By, by far. Um, and I think Kenny Monday was, would be a close second. Yeah. And even with that, you know, you're talking about, I, I hit, you know, when I wrestled Kenny, I don't think Kenny was even in his prime. No. So let's just be honest. I mean, Kenny, Kenny, when he beat me, he wasn't in his prime. Had I wrestled Kenny and, you know, the Kenny Monday of 1988, then, then I, I would probably be telling you that that's the best wrestler I've ever wrestled. Um, because um, you know, there was a time he was in his prime, and I think that it wasn't that it wasn't when he was wrestling me; it was when he was winning it in '88, beating the fit side eighty nine, eighty nine, eighty eight, eighty nine is yeah. when he was in his prime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been incredible. 
Any last words before we sign off here, Pat Smith? Thank you so much. Mm, uh, not much. I think we've covered it. I appreciate you coming and talking to me, and, yeah. and uh, I enjoyed every bit of it. Appreciate it, my friend. You Pat bet. Smith, you're you the man. All right. That was great. Hey guys, if you want to help us spread the word, please rate the episode and share it with your friends. The Smiths was written and directed by Ryan Warner. Executive producers include USA Wrestling and the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. A special thank you to the entire Smith family, Rich Bender and Leroy Smith. Etched in Stone is an exclusive production of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame and USA Wrestling. Download your free souvenir book of any of the Etched in Stone stories produced at nwhof.org. The storybook includes the written story and is filled with pictures and videos of their live matches. And while you're on the website, take a deeper dive into the profiles of the 179 distinguished members inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame.